This is Toastcaster, Volume 30, podcast for Toastmasters. Your host, Greg Gazin. This episode, a conversation with Chris Molyneux, public speaking coach and stand-up comedian, will be performing at the District 42 Spring Convention in Edmonton. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Toastcaster, podcast for Toastmasters. Today, we'll be speaking with Chris Molyneux, public speaking coach since 2000, but he's been a stand-up comedian since 1986. He's worked with Jerry Seinfeld, Ellen DeGeneres, and he's even had voices on Inspector Gadget and Madeline. Chris will be keynoting the District 42 conference being held in Edmonton, April 30th to May 2nd. Just go to d42tm.org and click on the Spring Convention banner. And now, my conversation with Chris Molyneux. We're speaking to Chris Molyneux. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. And where are we finding you today? Uh, This morning, I'm in Victoria, British Columbia, just here to uh, perform the capacity as a stand-up comedian, which I still do with some frequency. And I see from your schedule here, you're off, actually, you're off to the UK. I am, yes. Next Thursday, I fly off, and I'm doing a number of shows in uh, Manchester and Liverpool and Chester and Bristol, as well as some uh, stand-up comedy workshops. Yes, so I remain a busy person. Home of the Beatles, fascinating. District 42, is. we're really excited to have you here as our special presenter and, and in keynote for the weekend. Now, this isn't your first Toastmasters conference. In fact, you actually presented at the District 21 conference in Whistler. Yes, I did. That was, I believe, uh, last May. Was that your first exposure to the grand Toastmaster scene? I've worked with various different Toastmasters clubs individually, presenting different lectures to people and also working as a judge for different competitions and so forth. And so I'm very familiar with Toastmasters, and, but that was the first conference that I had been at as a keynote speaker. That was excellent. We had a really great time. Now, I'm sorry you're not going to have the mountains as the backdrop, but we do have the White Mud Freeway. Yeah, no, which is also sweeping and majestic. Yes, and you're familiar with that because? Because uh, I was born in Edmonton, and uh, I seem to have occasion to go back to Edmonton uh, all the time. Edmonton seems to call me, and I seem to listen, and I seem to end up back in Edmonton, and I I always enjoy myself. It is one of my more favorite towns to go to. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Obviously, that's the right thing to say, right? It may be the right thing to say, but it's also the truth. You know, it really is. I, yeah, I, I have a fondness for Edmonton, and I like to think that Edmonton has a fondness for me. So there you go. <laughs> well, that's great, and we're really happy that you've agreed to do more than just one presentation. So looking at the schedule here, Saturday morning, you'll be opening as our keynote speaker. And kind of wondering, I, I understand that you're not just all stand-up comedy, you're also a public speaking coach, etc., but... What's it like to do humor first thing in the morning? Humor first thing in the morning does have a different feel to it. Yesterday morning, actually, coincidentally, I did a stand-up comedy show as part of the Paralympics right on Robson Street in downtown Vancouver. 
outside in the rain in the mornings. Yeah, so I was doing an outdoor show in the rain in the morning. So I had all kinds of different factors going on. There are all kinds of different factors in a, a morning show. And I think, you know, the energy level is different. The expectation is different. There are all kinds of things that are slightly altered from the, the sort of traditional evening format. But I think as long as you have bump up your empathy with the feel of the room, you do just fine. If you have one way you present and assume that all the circumstances, all the people in all the different circumstances have to bend to the the one way that you present, then you'll have some difficulties. But if every time you present, you really um, try and set yourself up to get a feel for what the situation is, then you'll never have a problem. And, and morning situations are a great example of that. So there'll probably be more caffeine than there are spirits. <laughs> yeah, there will be more. There's more caffeine than spirits. You know, you just, I, I think with a morning crowd, I have a tendency to walk around and meet people a bit more and see how they are and who they are. Sometimes in the morning, you'll find people at the beginning of a conference. Sometimes you'll find they're really gung-ho and there's a lot of energy in the room. They're really fired up and looking forward to things. Other times, if there was a particularly successful social function the night before, people are a bit bleary. But, so you just have to see what it is. Yeah. Well, on District 42, we certainly have fun. We have a great evening planned on the Friday night. There's And there's also, of course, the hospitality suite, which... We won't talk about too much because what happens at conferences and conventions has to stay at conferences and conventions. But one of the things we are going to do on Friday night is we have a first-timer social. And the first-timer social is primarily for people who are there for the first time. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean they're a new Toastmaster, but it does mean that they're attending their first conference. And Chris has graciously agreed to be a door prize for them. Yeah, no, anytime I have the opportunity to uh, think of myself as a door prize, I leap on it. <laughs> so, or in fact, any kind of prize at all, you know. So there you, go. you have a collection of doors, do you? I'm a prize. Yeah. yeah. But we won't want to give away too much. So on Saturday, so on Saturday morning, you'll be doing a keynote. And then in, a, in addition, on Saturday afternoon, you're going to be doing a plenary session and this session will be open to the entire group. What I found interesting at the District 21 conference is, Chris, you did an educational session there. The room that you had, I think people were pasted pretty much to the walls all the way around. Yes. Yeah, no. It, the various different sessions that I've done at conferences, if the room is small, they tend to, people are attracted to the aspect of humor. Oftentimes I'll find myself in a, a congested room and, uh, you know, it makes for a good atmosphere. So I'm glad we'll have a larger room to accommodate more people this time. Well, that's that's fantastic. So could you, I know you don't want to give away anything about your keynote, but could maybe, can you enlighten us as to what we might expect? Just give us a little snippet as to what we might see at the plenary session. Um, in the plenary session, I'm going to be doing a lot of interactive stuff that illustrates certain points to do with the art of public speaking, whether the, they're to do with the, uh, the, the writing, the construction of presentations, or the uh, actual performance of them. So there's all kinds of different things to do with, uh, there's some, some that are to do with using your voice, some that are to do with using movement, some that are to do with techniques that will help you uh, if you have difficulty remembering speeches, all kinds of different things. But what I'll be doing is 
bringing people up and uh, well, whether they're up in front of the group or whether they're simply standing up or whatever they're doing, it will be interactive. And so by bringing people into the mix, I will, you know, it makes the points that much clearer. I will get everybody to illustrate these points themselves. It's a fun session. All the sessions that I do do have, always have a sort of a fun component to them that's I guess part of the stand-up background, though there is a lot of information that's being gone through as well. This is not all just about humor. A lot of this is about broader aspects of the art of public speaking, but we make sure that it's also interesting, fun, and engaging. So there you go. So you're going to pick on people from the audience? Well, I don't know if I'm picking on them, but I'm, you know, I'll, I'll be uh, making use of them. Maybe that's a better term. I'll be making use of them because things as theory, some people are very good at understanding theory and logical systems, but oftentimes when it's illustrated in real time, it makes it that much easier to remember, that much easier to take away. I want these sessions to be things that people will walk away with real tangible things that they can apply and get benefit from immediately. So that's my goal. Because offline you had said to me that understanding humor is really a key to creativity. Well, one of the interesting things about humor per se is that it's a funny little beast. It has far more to it than most people give it credit for. We think of humor as being something that's light, something that's a diversion. Even when we're constructing a speech, often we'll talk about using a bit of humor just to lighten things up. But we talk about it as something that's separate from the structure, as something we add on, something we staple to it as an additional piece. Talk about throwing in a joke to loosen people up. But humor is something that weaves itself into the structure of, of thought and the structure of learning on a consistent basis. And it's understanding how to use your own sense of humor and your own approach to humor as not just something to amuse yourself and others, but something to help you learn about the world, how to see things in different ways from different perspectives, to understand things in a broader context and to have a greater, more powerful and more interesting level of comprehension of people in the world. So if that's not a ambitious goal to help grant people, then I don't know what it is. But no, it's 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 fun, it's amusing, but it's also has a really deep and powerful side to it as well. You know, we shall explore all these different avenues and have people walk away with something that uh, will really benefit them. Now, what about those people that say, well, you know, I don't have a good sense of humor. I'm not funny. There aren't too many people who claim they don't have a sense of humor. There are some who claim that claim that their sense of humor is unique and not everyone will get it. And there, there are a few who say that they, you know, they have a limited sense of humor. But I think no matter what that sense of humor is, it's the, it's the idea of demystifying, gives, giving people some idea of understanding what's factors make up that sense of humor as opposed to as opposed to it simply being a sort of mystified thing you know it's and that's often what people say oh it's, it's a mystery you know you have a sense of humor it's a mystery no one knows and there's no reason for it to be like that there are certain characteristics that you can usually isolate certain factors you can usually isolate with each person so they have an understanding of what their sense of humor is and how to utilize it to its most positive effect that's interesting because, you know, you, you get to meet the odd person that the only way to get them laugh is to poke them with a stick or something. 
Yeah, well, you know, I guess at some level they're just asking for a good stick poking. Yeah, no, everybody uh, has different things that amuse them, but at the same time, there's there's a lot of common ground as well. That's why the comedy club continues to survive because you can put a group of disparate people in one room and and the right individuals in front of them. They'll they'll all be amused as long as they want to be amused. I think that's certainly a factor. Someone is, regardless of the performer or of the situation, if someone is in that situation, they patently don't want to be amused, then they can convince themselves that it's not amusing. Assuming that Toastmasters folk at this convention are what I've come to know and are in a good frame and want to enjoy and want to learn, then they are going to enjoy and they are going to learn. Yeah, We're a fun bunch. Let me you trust. are a yes. fun bunch. Yeah, we are a fun bunch. Toastmasters uh, always are because you draw from all different aspects. You draw from from people from the business community. You draw from people who are involved in different, you know, social spheres. There's no barriers in terms of uh, age or race or gender or anything. It's all kinds of different people. They do have that common thread of that desire to want to have the ability to stand up in front of a group of people. So that being the one common thread, you get you get an interesting mix. I find it really appealing. I enjoy working with Toastmasters. You mentioned the word stand-up, but nowhere in our conversation do we speak about stand-up comedy. Is that going to be an element as, as part of our part of your keynote and part of the plenary? Well, what's going to happen at uh, the keynote and the plenary is I'm going to be dealing more with humor, per se, than stand-up comedy. I'm going to be talking about public speaking skills, and uh, I will be speaking about humor specifically as an element within public speaking skills, as well as the broader array of different things that people can do to sharpen their presentations. So on the Sunday, I am going to be doing something that's specifically geared towards stand-up comedy, and this is something that is technically it's separate from the conference. It's immediately after. I'm going to be doing a stand-up comedy workshop for a limited number of people. In that workshop, I will be specifically going after stand-up comedy techniques and doing one-on-one coaching with a uh, with a group to give them a greater understanding of their possibilities in the world of stand-up, or indeed just how using stand-up comedy could help them in their public speaking. Will people come prepared with their scripts or their stand-up? They don't have to arrive with stand-up comedy material. I will have the group will sign up in advance, so I'll be giving them a little bit of information in advance. They can bring some ideas. They can be brought along and worked on specifically, but there's no experience necessary. There's no material necessary. Just the desire to learn more about stand-up comedy and your own personal sense of humor, too. As I say, the, the numbers for that will be limited because I don't think it's that valuable to give really general information in terms of stand-up. To me, it's all about your own specific personal sense of humor. So when I do a stand-up comedy workshop, it, it is about the individuals and their own specific sense of humor and their own approach, the way they move, the way they use their face, the way they use their voice. And yeah, it's all about the individual and their own sense of humor. Looking through your site, it's, it's very impressive the number of things that you've done. And I see that many of the things that you do go beyond just the, the stand-up and the humor and the, and the funny stuff. And I know that you were involved in some recent events lately. Well, uh, as many people 
I guess you're aware we had the Olympics in Vancouver not not so very long ago. In fact, the Paralympics are going on even as uh, we record this. I was fortunate enough to get a job with Coca-Cola as a communication skills trainer for their team that traveled across the country with the Olympic torch. So I was dealing with all kinds of different aspects of communication, Uh, eye contact, use of voice, dealing with people who have uh, language barriers or cognitive impairments, you know, the art of the meet and greet, how to uh, sustain energy levels, dealing with stress, all kinds of different things to do with the art of communication. And so I worked with them. I was also, you know, with them from the beginning of the Olympic torch run as well as uh, through the the leg of the Olympic torch run through Montreal. And um, I also worked as a trainer for in both public speaking and communication skills for their managers on the Olympic site. And I was also the voice that began the opening ceremonies. So if you saw the opening ceremonies for the Winter Olympics, the voice that was there at the very beginning of that, that was, uh, that was my own voice. It was just a rather exciting project to be part of. The uh, opening ceremonies were on. I didn't see them at the first telecast. And then all of a sudden everyone was telling me that uh, – your voice, your voice, because it was the the centerpiece for the very beginning of the opening ceremonies. 2010, Vancouver, you know, and everyone cheered. And that, that, that was, I have to admit, I have to have a little ego there and say, yes, that was good. That was, you know, I enjoyed hearing my voice there. And to be part of such a huge celebration of things Canadian, it was viewed by three billion people. So... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm proud of that one. That was a good one. Yes, like that one. So when you say to people your voice carries, you really mean it. Yeah, that one That one definitely, uh, that one went a ways. That's incredible. Well, Chris, I appreciate the time you've spent with me this morning. Perhaps could you give, give, us, some, give us some food for thought, some one element of humor or something to leave us with for the day until we actually see you? One element of humor for the day. Oftentimes when I'm talking to people about writing material, and this this would go for people um, who are public speakers rather than stand-up comedians as well, sometimes people have writing blocks. They don't know how to get by them. They've considered the subject over and over and over again, and they just can't seem to get a new angle on it. When that happens, it's nice to consider that the world is full of people who will write for you. Think about other people and the way they would view something, what their opinion of that subject would be. Think of their voice, the way they would voice their own opinions, and try and either incorporate them or use them as a contrast. So you can think of, uh, you can think of the way your mother would think of that particular subject and imagine her voice saying it and how those words would come out. Or you could think of you know, a crazy uncle you had, or you could think of the way a child would consider the subject. So there are all these different perspectives And they have a tendency to create great comedy, but they can also create broader, more contextualized point of view that enable you to put a point across with greater clarity. And they can help you snap yourself out of that writer's block in a way that's very, very simple and very, very effective. Interesting. I can think of putting cartoon characters in there. Yeah, sure. Why not? If you're doing a thing about talking about uh, how to 
oh, I don't know, how to maximize uh, your time at work. All of a sudden, imagine what Bugs Bunny would have to say about that or what whoever would have to say about it. Imagine what your grandfather would have to say about it. They all will have different perspectives. And whether you're embracing them or using them as contrast, they'll provide more colorful descriptions, more vibrant descriptions, more you know things that will resonate with people and, and cause them to remember. That's definitely food for thought. All right, chew on that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's certainly an incredible way to look at things because I do a lot of writing, and that certainly happens to me all the time. I get writer's block. I know what happens to a lot of us. I know we've seen Toastmasters that they haven't done a speech for a while. It's because they say, well, you know, I can't think of anything to say. So that's definitely some great food for thought, Chris. Well, that's fantastic. Great, Chris. Thanks for spending the time with us. Uh, best of luck in Victoria and your trip to the UK. We look forward to seeing you at the Spring Convention, April 30th to May 2nd at the Radisson Hotel South, 4440 Gateway Boulevard in Edmonton. If you book your room before March 31st, if you're coming from out of town, or if you decide that maybe you had a little bit too much the night before and you want to stay over, you need to book your room by March 31st to get the lower discount rate. Chris, it was great talking to you. Thanks a lot. It was a pleasure. I look forward to being there. Thanks for tuning in to Toastcaster, podcast for Toastmasters. It was an incredible conversation with Chris Molyneux. And hopefully we'll see most of you at the Spring Convention in Edmonton, April 30th to May 2nd. If not, we'll see you on the next episode of Toastcaster. Thanks for tuning in.